Let's jump into Peppa's world of play. Look for spring flowers, hunt for muddy puddles, and bravely explore exciting places with Peppa play sets. Peppa Pig, inspiring kid confidence. We're in Japan. Why are you watching videos? Just using my phone to find our next meal. What's that? Let's find out. With my Samsung Galaxy S24 Ultra, I can circle it with the S Pen and search right in the app. Looks like it's called Takoyaki. Tofu! Actually, it's fried octopus. <laughs> I knew that. Circle it, find it. With the new Galaxy S24 Ultra and circle the search with Google. Get yours now at Samsung.com. Internet connection required. Results may vary based on visuals. I had to Google what a financial mediator was. But how do you know when you need one? <laughs> When you can't stop throwing plates, <laughs> breaking everything the, up. Right, right around the same time you start Googling divorce lawyers. That's probably when around the time. you bring out the baseball bat. <laughs> yeah. Dear Shandy. Welcome back to Dear Shandy listeners. Hi, Andy. Hello. Today's a big day. Big day. Special guest. Very special guest. It's one of our hot topics. Mm-hmm. Because I would say finances are among the top three questions asked. Top, top three pillars of broken relationships, <laughs> I think. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah. So our guest today is kind of a big deal. She is the founder and CEO of Clever Girl Finance. She's a certified financial education instructor and money expert. I mean, I'm going to go on and on. She's a speaker and podcast host. She's the author of two books. And her goal in general is to bridge the financial education gap and support women creating their own paths to financial success. Our guest today is Bola Shukunbi. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to chat with you guys. All right. So as you know, our podcast is all about relationships and I don't think it's any secret that money is kind of, it's a bit of an issue with relationships. It's sort of taboo. It tends to be a frequent pitfall, I think, for a lot of couples. And so a lot of our questions today will be surrounding those pitfalls. Mm. (laughs) So, So we'll just start early on. Do you think that there's a must financial conversation that a couple should have before moving in together? Yes, I definitely think there is a must. Um, I think there there also is a way you approach that must. But before you move in together, you know, because at the point you choose to move in together, you are in a serious relationship, or I'm assuming that's what it is. And um, there's a chance that you guys are going to be splitting bills, talking about finances because you're living in the same space. So at the very least, you want to understand what's your budget for where we're moving into, right? What bills are you going to pay? What bills am I going to pay? How are you going to pay for groceries and electricity that we use jointly? And then, you know, if this is a true serious relationship and you you see yourself being with this person long term into the future, then you want to know some of their financial history and their financial baggage and their <laughs> financial goals. However, um, this is not a conversation you need to have in one sitting. This is something that as your relationship progresses, you know, do you have student loans? What are your goals in the next five years? Um, when do you want to retire? How many kids do you want to have? Those are all things, questions that tie into money. So having those conversations ongoingly as time progresses in your relationship are definitely must have topics to discuss. Yeah, no, I, I just in my experience with men, 
Um, I've had friendships broken up by money, you know, friends I've gone into business with. I think money is just such a sore topic. Yeah. So it stands to reason that if you're actually going to live under the same roof and pay the same rent together and pay bills together that. Well, it's sort of like a business. Like when you get, I mean, it's, it's, that's a cold way of looking at it, but when you move in with someone and you start a lifelong relationship, it is, has some aspects of a business. And, and I know from experience, as I just said, is going into business with friends can lead to very serious relationship problems. So it's obviously a very delicate topic. And I agree with your sort of piecemeal aspect, like you just kind of hit it one little bit at a time over the course of several months. But um, sometimes it might be too late by the time someone finds out <laughs> things that they should have found out early on. Which is why sometimes I guess there needs to be sort of a heavy conversation up front. Well, and I like, Bola, that you touched on how the conversation should be ongoing, because that was another question that I received from our listeners, which was, is this sort of a one and done, you know, let's sit down and talk about our finances. And okay, <laughs> good head shake from you there. Yeah. It's an yeah, ongoing it's never, Yeah, it's never one and done. I think that's a mistake people make that, oh, we're going to talk about, we'll go to premarital counseling and we'll talk about money and everything else, and then we're done. No, it's ongoing, right? And just to your point about marriage being a business, if we're being objective, we take emotion and put it aside. If you get married to somebody, that is a contractual agreement. (laughs) When you think about it, right? You sign the dotted lines. In a relationship, not so much, but it's kind of in like a non-marriage relationship, but it's kind of established because you guys are living in the same place, right? You have this level of commitment to each other. So it's it can never be a one-time conversation because if that happens, then you guys start to veer off on different paths when it comes to finances. You'll find a lot of fights about money. Money is the number one reason for divorce next to infidelity. And so this is something that you know, sitting down together, having conversations about money, even if it's like talking about your your monthly budget, talking about what you guys want to accomplish in January or in the next year, buying a home together. How are we going to save for this home? How are we going to pay for that vacation? How are we going to plan to retire early? These are all ongoing conversations. And I think with individuals, especially depending on your relationship and your history with money, it can be difficult to have a money conversation. Um, and also if you don't really know your partner's love language so well. Um, It can be hard to broach that topic with someone without feeling like, without them feeling like you're being the dictator or you're trying to tell them what to do. And I had, I had to navigate all that stuff in the beginning of my marriage. I kind of figure out our love language when it came to money specifically. Oh, Mm -hmm. Oh, do you mind elaborating on that a bit? So love language with money specifically are you talking about the love languages in general or do you think that there's a different set of love languages or do you think it's like, I, I'm just curious. I, I, that yeah. wasn't on my list of questions, but I can't help but ask. I'm not an expert at, you know, I've read the five love languages, but I'm not an expert out at, you know, I'm not the psychologist that figured that out, but I will say when it comes to the topic of money, there is a specific approach to it, right? Um, you know, there are conversations you can have with your partner when it comes time to cleaning up the house, who's going to do what, <laughs> who's going to go get the groceries, who's going to watch the kids, things like that. But when it comes to money, money is something that um, a lot of people, just based on how they are raised, there's a lot of things that people typically have not unpacked with their 
just relationship with money? Why do you feel money is good or not good? Why do you feel you can be successful or not successful as it relates to finances? People have all these internal things Mm -hmm. that they deal with around money, especially when it comes to guilt and shame about money mistakes, about feeling you haven't accomplished certain things by a certain age. So when somebody else comes to you, knowing that you may have all this baggage, watching your parents manage money. So when you factor in all of this baggage that people have around finances and then you go approach them about, well, I want to know what your goals are. I want to know when you're going to pay off this debt. Um, How much are we saving every month? It can become, they can put up walls. Like, why are you trying to tell me what to do with my money? Why are you trying to unpack this painful memory or painful situation I'm going through? So what I found in my personal relationship is that, you know, I used to be, I like to be very organized. I'm organized in the house. And my husband will kind of go with that flow of tidying up. Let's do this. Let's do that. And so when it came to organizing our finances, it was a whole different ballgame because he would put up his guard immediately, right? So it wasn't like, let's get organized to clean the house. This was, let's get organized with our finances, getting married. And we both got married a little later. Uh, We were 29. So we had our own established financial lives ongoing, right? So I had to figure out um, how to approach him so that the conversation was not shut down immediately. I brought up a topic of money. And I realized that with us, talking about money has to be part of our general conversation. Oh my God, did you see what happened on Vikings or Game of Thrones? By the way, we should be saving $500. (laughs) Nice segue. Very good segue. By the way, Vikings was a major quarantine show for us. We binged the entire thing. (laughs) And probably talked about money at some point during Vikings. It's a long long season. So I would try to build in, you know, the relationships happening there. Wow. I wonder how they manage their money. I mean, I'm being kind of, I'm joking around now, but that's, it had to be very, very casual. Mm. It it could not, it can't be a production for him. Mm. Otherwise it's just too much. Yeah, I can see how depending on the personality type you're dealing with and what emotional baggage they might have around money, it could feel like judgy and just like a lot coming at once, because interestingly, a good third of the questions we got were as much about how to broach topics as they were about the topics themselves, which I think is interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's one yes. of those things. It's like it's like talking about defining the relationship. Like you can't be like, okay, we have to talk. <laughs> like, what's going on with this relationship? I want to know. It's got to be like it's, it's got to flow, and this is one of those things. I totally agree. Oh, would you say that a couple's ability to talk? you know, harmoniously or productively about topics like this can reflect on their chances for success? I know that's an extreme question, but, you know, if you can't talk about money without fighting, is that a, a sign or a bad sign? Um, if you can't talk about money without fighting, that is not a good sign, right? Mm-hmm. Um, if you can't talk about money at all, doesn't necessarily mean you cannot have a successful marriage. It just depends on how you in your relationship choose to manage money, right? Are your finances joint? Are your finances separate? Sometimes it's determining, okay, who's going to pay for what? Um, I'm paying for the mortgage. You're paying for the utilities. And that's just a conversation. I do my savings. You do your savings. Some relationships thrive that way. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I believe that in a relationship, if you're going to share everything, <laughs> your bed, <laughs> your, you know, everything else, yeah. you might as well talk about money and you guys are a team. And when you can talk about it and plan together, you're more likely to be successful, uh, more successful than if you isolate and keep things separated. But again, it depends on the individuals, but there has to be conversations um, about finances, whether your finances are joint 
or separate because you guys are a team. So Bola, you just handed me a perfect segue <laughs> because this was hands down the most popular question. Uh, do you think there is a better way to be with your finances, joint or separate? I'm sure you get asked this all the time, but I have to ask you. <laughs> yes, and there are different gospels out there. Um, you know, your finances should be joint, your finances... I hear a lot of your finances should be joint. Um, if you're in a relationship, you shouldn't have any secrets, et cetera. And this is not about secrets. I believe that when two people are in a relationship, the two people need to figure out what works for them that minimizes conflict and allows them to succeed. And if that means joint fi finances, great. If that means separate finances, great. If that means a hybrid where some of your finances are joint and some other things are separate, great. And also, you know, joint finances are easier for couples who get together when they're much younger, like really young couples, it's easy to blend your finances. But when you're more established, you have your own career, you've made your own money, you have all these things going on. It's difficult to want to merge your finances, especially if your partner is not quite where you are or you are not quite where your partner is. So I feel however you choose to manage your finances, that works for you is what works. But what's most important here is communicating, having the conversation, talking about money. So my husband and I, we have uh, when we first got married, we had separate finances. And over time, we progressed to having partially joint and partially separate finances. So we don't share a daily checking account. And I don't need to explain to him when I spend $500 or I go get my hair done or I get, go get my nails done because we <laughs> he know. doesn't need to so know that stuff. <laughs> exactly. But there is a conversation that if I'm going to be spending a certain amount of money that I know mm. is not normal spend, we have a conversation. There is a conversation that if I want to buy something really expensive, knowing that we have joint goals or he wants to buy something really expensive knowing that we have joint goals we have a conversation about it first we don't just show up with the new chanel handbag or the <laughs> <laughs> the new sports car it doesn't work like that we talk about it first so whatever works for you the the foundational aspect is communication gotcha okay so then based on that and i mean this is again another faq and I'm sure you get asked this all the time, but do you think those expenses, whether or not it's joint or separate, that, that do you think the expenses should be split proportionately based on income? <laughs> That's a tough question. So again, this depends on the relationship, right? There are some couples that feel everything should be split down. However, you know, it's, it's important to make sure that you're both on the same page as it relates to everything split down. I've talked to people who feel resentment um, when they're getting asked to split $10 or $25, right? Like, when do you let it go? <laughs> when yeah. do you let the splitting go? And then also, so... It, it comes down to really knowing your partner. Is your partner just very particular about his dollars and cents? Like when you were dating or as you were dating and you planned that first vacation, this is the perfect time to assess the situation. Your first vacation, your first trip together, um, or let's say your first date or dating, right? Because we can't really travel right now. And when the bill comes, right? So from a female perspective, when the bill comes, is he like, well, that'll be $15.35. Oh. Give it back to me <laughs> on the vacation. He's like, well, you know, I paid for the flights, but, you know, you owe me $700.12. Like, is that how he is? And is that how you are 
And knowing that that's how both of you are, are you okay with this? Or do you expect sometimes to be spoiled and like, oh girl, I got the dinner every single time. Don't ever worry about dinner in your life. <laughs> I'm always going to pay. Or are you going to be the, the girl that offers, you know what, let me cover dinner this time. But then what if he's like, you covered dinner last time. How about you just cover dinner forever? So as you date... <laughs> As you get to know each other, start to pay attention to these nuances. And then based on that, you can decide, okay, you know what? I can deal with this person or you know what? This is absolutely not going to work for me. That's a, that's a huge turn on, right? Splitting the check. Guy <laughs> on the first date, the especially. That's <laughs> it. Like that. That's it. Just like right home, <laughs> right to the bed. So, okay. So what I'm <clears> hearing <throat> then is it's sort of case by case and sort of a each individual figuring out what is a deal breaker for them in terms of how how minuscule a separation of money we're talking, if, if you do need the extra 12 cents. Andy, do you want to ask your question? Because this was another interesting one where, oh, where we do talk yeah. about gender, well, gender roles and sort of, you yeah. know, society and tradition. <laughs> yeah, I mean, is it... I know it's, it's a traditional mindset, but is it okay f- to just have the man shoulder most of the burden because he's a man do you think that's yeah socially i got i mean i'm, I'm asking for my brothers <laughs> uh, don't get me in trouble <laughs> i mean again it depends on the relationship right um we live in a world where a lot of women are breadwinners sole household earners many women are earning more than their spouses right so should a man who's under earning his his partner um pay. I I think there should be some evenness in who's shouldering work based on income. Mm. Uh, But then again, there are some men who are raised in very traditional households and it's, I don't care what my wife or my partner makes. I'm going to take care of this family because that's what I was raised to do. Again, it boils down to the couple. I do find sometimes that uh, and I'm not going to summer. I'm not going to group everybody, but I've seen experience. I've seen, I've encountered people where they have this burden as a man to take care of their families. And when they see their wives doing better than them financially, it becomes a point of resentment and jealousy mm. because they did not expect to be in a relationship where their wife was the breadwinner. It's a challenge for them, mm. whereas there are guys who are all about it. So again, it depends on the couple, but I think that there's a lot of flexibility in that standard now, especially given the fact that women are working. That mindset, that idea comes from way back when, where the man went out, the wife was a homemaker, but tables have turned now. And so it's perfectly fine for women to contribute. Um, what's not fine is when one person is a deadbeat in the relationship <laughs> and one person is shouldering the whole burden. That's not okay. Yeah, regardless of gender. Well, I think there has to be a value Speaking of the ho- on the homemaking front, there has to be a value placed on housework, whether it be the kids or the cooking or the dishes or the cleaning. And I don't think enough attention is paid to that. But even though one partner might be making all the money, if someone else is doing all the housework, there's got to be a significant value placed on that. So on that topic, then, because this was another question asked, what should a married woman do if they give up their career to raise children when it comes to finances? So, um, <laughs> I know we're giving you men, all the tough, tough ones. <laughs> many women give up their careers to raise children, then giving up income, giving up 
certain, you know, when you give up your career to raise children, you kind of let go of a, of a part of yourself. Some women want to do that. They want to raise children. That's what they want to do. But, um, you know, children are a huge obligation and that is a job, right? I took, I took a quiz one time. It was called the cost of everything I do that I don't get paid for. So as a mom, I am the driver, I'm the cook, I'm the nanny, I'm the cleaner. Uh, I'm the everything. You right now imagine. you're the, probably the teacher sometimes too. And the teacher, it's very overwhelming. And, you know, if that's the, if that's the role in the household where the mother is staying at home, then, you know, somebody has to shoulder the financial obligations. Mm-hmm. Um, the challenge there then comes when um, the, the person who is bringing the income becomes a dictator. And I've seen many instances where the mom's home taking care of the kids and she's asking for permission. Oh, I want to buy a new outfit. Oh, I want mm. to get my hair done. Oh, can you give me money? I don't think, personally, I don't like that. I, I, I prefer that. There you is, just made my skin crawl just even. Yeah, I, I see that a lot. And and um, what I, I prefer is if there's a designated amount for a home and house and family and it's not questioned and the wife manages that money accordingly based on the conversations you guys are having, but not, oh, I've been at work all day. Why has been why has the air conditioning been on? I pay the bills in this house. That is just not the way to approach it. I see. Mm. And I've seen that happen Um unfortunately a lot well that's that's like what i was talking about before there's a significant portion of the gnp that's not accounted for that's housework like it's huge yes. i don't you probably know the statistic but i remember reading about this is something enormous like, like a six-year trillion. Job. yeah yeah exactly. the, the quiz i took this was before i added on teacher uh the cost of everything i did that i was not being paid for was about an eighty thousand dollar annual salary amazing Ooh. and i Look thought that that was underpaid because I was female. <laughs> <laughs> so you were accounting for the fact that you're female. A man, doing, a man yes. doing that 120,000. Yes. Right. Unbelievable. Oh, man. So we cannot. Ready for a spring break to remember? Amtrak's got just a ticket for you and your crew. With share fares, you and your friends can save up to 60%. The more who travel, the more you save. Skip the hassle of driving through the Northeast while exploring D.C., Philly, New York, and Boston. No middle seats and plenty of legroom are just an Amtrak away. And with stops right in the heart of your favorite cities, you'll arrive downtown, not out of town. Savings start with three travelers. Eight travelers required for 60% discount. Visit Amtrak.com slash sharefares to book. Restrictions may apply. Find a fresh take on a fall getaway to Wilmington, North Carolina and beaches. Enjoy hiking trails in a state park, fresh seafood with a sight of live music and fall festivals galore. Then live it up along the Riverwalk in Wilmington's historic downtown. With three island beaches, Carolina, Curie and Wrightsville and a vibrant downtown, you get the best of the Carolina coast all in one place. Plan your fall getaway at WilmingtonandBeachesVacation.com not talk about prenups <laughs> because this is another another hot topic we were asked this very early on in our podcast and we quickly realized that we're not equipped to talk about <laughs> and so now that we have you we're going to grill you about it unromantic or smart oh god prenups um this have gotten people mad at me um <laughs> it's I'll heated it people like people were I either agreed with us or disagreed with us, but it was very, people were passionate no matter what stance they took. Yep. Yep. So um, I I will tell you, I do not have a prenup um, and I do not have a prenup because, you know, just culturally, it's not something that we do. (laughs) 
where I come from, you know, and also getting married to this person, knowing that marriage is a contractual agreement, that is an emotional risk I've chosen to take, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, Many people do not agree with not having a prenup, right? They believe they should protect themselves, especially if they're coming into a marriage with considerable assets or their partner has considerable debt, whatever it might be. And I believe that if you feel a prenup works for you, then you should absolutely get one. Um, you know, especially when there's a lot on the, ta- on the table. Uh, but my husband and I, when we got married, we were very much, I mean, I was the breadwinner. We were starting out, um, in many instances, him finishing school and things like that. Um, a prenup was, was never discussed because that's just not culturally what we do. And so again, for me, it's an emotional risk, but if you have any question about it, you guys need to sit down and have a conversation about, should we have a prenup? What's going to be covered in this prenup? Um, but prenup or no prenup, I think anyone who's in a relationship, um, and you begin to realize or see the early signs that this relationship is not going well, um, divorce, um, you don't want to be with them, you need to start getting prepared. And that means that you need to have a get out of Dodge fund somewhere mm-hmm. so you can get the hell out of Dodge when you need to get out of Dodge. <laughs> <laughs> so right. like a post, a post nup. <laughs> or yourself. Right. So I, I'm, I'm not for or against a prenup. I think each individual, um, each individual, um, decides that, you know, God forbid, if I were to ever get divorced, I'm not going to just walk away and say, oh my God, you know, I don't deserve this. <laughs> I'm going to get what we're, <laughs> we're going to divvy up what needs to be divvied up for the sake of our kids. But um, yeah, whatever case works for you. Okay. I feel like, I feel like a marriage that needs a prenup is like porn. You know it when you see it, <laughs> right? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Kind of, okay. yes. But yeah, Bola, we're the we're the same in that we didn't we didn't we don't have a prenup and we didn't really talk about like it was sort of we just sort of were so in love and so confident that we just sort of leapt into it. And I think we were very lucky because that hasn't bit us in the ass or anything, but yet. <laughs> yet. <laughs> um so prenups aside then. Any suggestions for how to be smart about finances when entering a marriage, just in case? Prenups just aside. in case, yes. Yeah. So um, I believe that, I'm sorry, I'm going to speak from a woman's perspective. Yeah, please. Our, our listeners are 97% yeah, you're, you're, women. You're safe with that perspective. So, you know, I'm always going to have my own money. Um, it's always, it's always, I'm, I'm that girl that I always make the joke that what's, what's, what's yours is ours and what's mine is mine. <laughs> <laughs> Even though in the court of law that that will not hold up, but you always want to have a fallback, right? Um, like I said, if you know you want to, you 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 sometimes you have an inkling in the back of your mind, like deep deep there, that this may not work out, or you start to see the signs that this is not working out. As soon as you feel that way, it's time to start putting money aside, right? It's time to open a designated account, put money aside, know what all the assets are, know what all their assets are, and just protect yourself. Um, growing up. I got to watch my mom, unfortunately, console so many friends who were leaving bad relationships, abusive relationships, had no idea of the finances, had no options. Some of them were unable to leave. Some of them lost their spouses, unfortunately, um, illness, death, um, and they did not know anything about the finances. So you want to know the state of your joint finances. It doesn't matter if it's joint or separate. And you want to have your own accounts just so this is, again, people will come for me when I say have your own account if you're married, but that's just, it's not a secret. You know, I have bank accounts. I have savings. My husband talks to me. We talk about them. 
but it's just my comfort zone. You know, I know that I can do what I want to do with this money. No questions asked. I can get the hell out of Dodge if I need to pack up my kids and go. <laughs> I have options. Mm. Um, so this, that's, she's that's what I feel her, about she's it. got her offshore accounts, Swiss bank <laughs> accounts, Caymans. <laughs> good stuff but i'm an open <laughs> book woman. okay no i love it and I, I, <laughs> you're hiding it but openly <laughs> yes openly <laughs> <laughs> i appreciate how pragmatic you are about that because i think a lot of people around this taboo topic it's like if you have your own separate thing or if you're thinking in that way then it's unromantic you know you're not mm. it somehow suggests the wrong tone for the relationship but like you said, there is a marriage is contractual. There, there is a sort of business aspect to it. And so it does make all the sense in the world. But yeah, I appreciate hearing that from you because I think a lot of people might assume that that's, you know, just not as fairy tale like as you might want. Well, I, that's, I, if we're ahead. being objective, if we're really being objective, I have no intention of ever getting divorced, right? But if yeah. we're really being objective, divorce in America is one in two. 50 percent yes and then of that 50 percent that do get divorced the two biggest reasons number one infidelity the second is money right Mm -hmm. so we can we need to take aside emotions and just be objective and it's hard to do because it's like oh my god i love this person they're so amazing i want my marriage to last blah 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 but when we're talking about finances we need to be objective and money is not emotional money is just money it's a tool it can help you it can hurt you, you. you know, it's how you leverage it and how you guys plan your relationship and plan your goals and leverage it to help you guys succeed. And so, um, yes, it's not romantic to plan for the worst. Right. Um, but you still need to plan regardless. So, Mm -hmm. I mean, you're, you're not getting any argument here. I also think you have to be thinking about how serious marriage is in relation to that. Like one of the, well, that's what we said in that episode for what? Well, cause so in our first ever Q and a, this, you know, was one of the first questions we got prenups, yay or nay. And Andy, who, by the way, we, when we got married, he was 42. So you said you got married later. He got married super late. <laughs> and, and partially it's because you wanted to be 100% sure. And mm-hmm. basically the gist of what you were saying was, be 100% sure. Right. Be 100 be non-prenup sure when you get married. That's my that's always been my feeling. Like I I always said to myself when I find a woman who I want to marry, that's going to be a woman that I'm comfortable giving all my wealth to. Yep. Without, you know, feeling like I got ripped off. And, and knowing that if it doesn't work out, you can walk away knowing that even if your your assets are divided, it was a great relationship. It's not like right. Yeah, that's how I feel also. Some people don't feel that way, right? It's like the prince and the pauper. I'm a prince. I'm going to marry a pauper. I have to protect myself. And also, mm-hmm. a lot of times when you think about it, the prenup is what you're coming into your marriage with, unless you agree to a postnup. When me and my husband got married, I mean, there, uh, come on, there wasn't that much to, <laughs> to fight about. Take it all. <laughs> There's nothing. <laughs> well, so actually, that brings me to Andy. This was something you brought up. Right. I, I, I think I know the answer to this. I'm pretty sure. But I think a lot of people probably need to be educated on this. What assets are at, at risk when you enter into a marriage? With a prenup? No, without a prenup. With, without with, a prenup? Without a prenup. Okay. Yeah. Everything. Everything well, from your property, your savings, your retirement accounts, 
Um, okay, so my my understanding is that the the assets that are at risk in a marriage are the assets that were acquired post marriage. So if you if I owned a home for twenty years and I got married to Charlene, she would not have half of that home. But if I bought the home on the day after we got married, she would have half of the home. That's my understanding. Yeah. I hope. <laughs> Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Hold on a second. Generally, <laughs> say yes. Right? Generally, right. I'm not a lawyer, and I don't know the individual state rules. Generally, that's what it is. But I've seen instances where just depending on the relationship, when they bring everything, they've run all the numbers that a house needs to get sold, whether you had it before or not because we need to cover a certain, right? So it could be a case where, okay, you saved all this money in your 401k, but you don't want to cash out your 401k, but she gets half or he gets half, right? What do you do? Well, you have this piece of real estate that's been sitting there and it has equity that you can use to cover that half. So that real estate gets sold to cover that half for him or her. Oh, damn it. I so it depends, on the st- <laughs> it depends on the state. And then also, you know, I could say, well, you bought that house, for $100,000. But while we were married, I helped you improve it. I helped you grow your business. And now this house is worth 700000 We need to split that six hundred grand because I was part and parcel of, this is very random, right? random example, but how it just depends. It's complicated. Yeah, no, that's It's random, but realistic. It's a realistic example. Yeah, I didn't know that. Yeah. Makes sense. To... Makes total sense. Yeah, you have you're... to sell the apartment. If you never sell the apartment, it's always yours. But once you sell the apartment... <laughs> It's now money, and that money is split. Yeah, it's okay, that makes sense. Asking, I never thought of that. Still asking for a friend, Andy? <laughs> yeah, yeah. My friend, my friend was thinking of an exit plan. I don't, I don't know if you. There's that movie, it. The First Wives Club. It's one of my favorite movies. I love that movie. Where she, she's, she's, she. Her husband is trying to get um, all this money because they didn't have a prenup, and she sells all their assets to their friends for a dollar, and she brings fifty cents to their office to his office, and she's like, "Here's your half." <laughs> Oh, no. <laughs> yeah, I loved the movie. It was a good one. So another uh, frequently asked question is revolving debt. And how much of your partner's existing debt could become your responsibility? And does it become your responsibility? You know, to be honest, I don't know the true answer to this question. Um, depending oh, on I the love question. that you just said that. I'm no. sorry, I have a thing about people who pretend to know answers to things they don't know the answers to. And you know, when you ask someone for like directions on the street and they're like, yeah, it's that way. And it turns out they were wrong. I'm like, why did you say anything? Just say you don't know. There's things I don't know. I'm not a lawyer. I don't know all the state laws. Like don't quote me on my prenup stuff. Um, But in terms of debt, I do know that if, um, for instance, a partner passes away, there is some some debt that is inherited and some debt like unsecured debt that just goes away. Right. Mm. So, for example, I think a mortgage is not unsecured debt. Right. So if your partner passes away and you leave in the house, you live in the house, then you lose the asset if you cannot pay the mortgage, for example. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that might be similar to student loans. I'm not sure. Don't quote me, but it depends. However, in a relationship, I've seen, especially in the personal finance community, a lot of people who come into the relationship you know, like, this is emotional risk. I love you. We're going to make this work. And they jointly work to pay off an individual's debt, Mm. their partner's student loans together so that they can pursue other goals together. So, um, yeah, but you definitely want to know what your partner's debt is and what kind of debt it is, right? Some debt, um, you know, you, they can come after your spouse, right? Your partner for that debt. Um, if you don't pay, um, you know, there's there's people who get collection calls because their mother owes money somewhere. 
Ooh. Wow. It just yeah. depends. Was your name on the loan? Were you a co-signer or are you like, you know, so it really depends um, on what the debt is, but there's some debt that if the partner is not there and you can't pay, then you lose the asset like a home, for example. Right. I think if it's unsecured, it dies with the person. Like you don't, you're not responsible. Not that I do if have person, hidden unsecured debt. If the person debt. dies? No, I'm saying if they die or the marriage dissolves, oh, the okay. unsecured debt go dies with the- Yeah, the unsecured debt goes away, but that secured yeah. debt, debt's that, debt that is tied to an asset, typically, yeah. the asset will get taken away. I feel good. Dad, are you singing to your cereal? Yes, I am. Like I knew that I would. Na, na, na. No, a dance too? Come on, Ava. Silk almond milk. Starts the morning on a high note. Yow! Songs, dances, and dad jokes. So good! So good! I got you! Mm. Silk almond milk. With calcium, vitamins A, D, and E. Feel plenty good. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. You're the perfect blend of elegance and style, and your ride should be no different. The 2024 Hyundai Sonata Hybrid meets all your needs, from business to brunch and everywhere in between. With head-turning details like a sleek front end, plus stylish interior and an available 12.3-inch digital instrument cluster and seamless tech integration. Okay, Hyundai. Visit HyundaiUSA.com to learn more about the new 2024 Hyundai Sonata Hybrid. Okay, I feel really dumb. I didn't know what the what the difference between yeah, I mean, it's just like think, think of it this way: like if you own, like let's say, you, if you own something and there's debt attached to it, you own the net of that debt. Like okay. the asset is the net of the debt. So if the asset's worth a hundred thousand dollars and your debt's fifty thousand dollars, your asset's really fifty thousand. You can look at it that way, or you can look at it that that debt is going to be your responsibility. It's six okay. to one half dozen. Does that make sense? Yes. Okay. But you can see. <laughs> you so can you either it's like, it's like a house, right? You you can sell the house and pay the debt, or you can start to pay the mortgage even though the partner is gone. Right. Okay. Okay, I think I got it. You can, you can see who, who is the money person in our relationship. Don't, don't worry, I'll handle it. I'm the creative type, okay? <laughs> um, okay, that's interesting because I know a couple where she's a doctor and her debt was medical school mm-hmm. and she's the breadwinner. And so they work together to pay it off sure. because ultimately she is the breadwinner and he's also benefiting off her having gone to medical school and, yeah, yeah. and being the breadwinner. Again, so you're doing it for the team, right? It's, yeah, you're in it. Team you're, effort. You're a team. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. This is an interesting one. I had to Google what a financial mediator was, but how do you know when you need one? <laughs> when you can't stop throwing plates. Right around the same time you start Googling divorce lawyers. That's probably when around the time. you bring out the baseball bat. <laughs> yeah. Okay, okay, so you would say then it's actually kind of extreme. Yeah. Really? I just oh. I wasn't sure. Not, not necessarily though. Some people so let's say we're in a relationship and we're getting divorced now, right? And I just 
I don't want to deal with you. I don't want to talk to you. You know, I, we need a mediator to talk about our finances or I want to keep our relationship friendly. I don't want to ruin it for our kids. I want it to be amicable. Let's get a financial mediator that can just help smooth out this process Ooh, so we don't a, fight or we could combat. be fighting and breaking things and you know what before i kill you let's get a financial mediator to get things i would be impressed to watch a man tell his wife we need to get a financial mediator in a peaceful happy way i would be very impressed <laughs> that, 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 that would be like like jedi level <laughs> marriage skills <laughs> well it's funny because it does I I see what you're saying. Like, chances are, if you could talk about it amicably, like you say, you probably wouldn't need the mediator yeah, in the it's, first place. It's not, Is yeah, it a medium. bit of a catch-22? <laughs> yeah. I, I, that's what I think. I mean, and also, sometimes, you know, in relationships, when you bring in the emotion, right, um, and you're, you're exiting a relationship, you need to be objective. A lot of people are like, you know, I don't want anything from her. I don't want anything from him. You know, you get the things. Yeah. <laughs> Bring in the mediator, get the things. Don't walk away from this. Take it all. I'm leaving with my dignity. Take your dignity and take the things. <laughs> <laughs> don't listen to her. <laughs> dignity is plenty. I mean, dignity is priceless. Okay. I don't, this is... I feel like this is starting to get into like legal things, but are there financial benefits to getting married versus staying legally single? Yes. I mean, just given um, laws in the U S right. Especially when it comes to assets and um, who gets what, if you are no longer there. Right. Uh, I know there is the domestic partnership after a certain amount of years, depending on what state you live in. Uh, but if I'm, if we are dating and we've been dating for six months and something happens to you and you had a home, I don't think I'm going to get the home. I think the home will go to the next person in the family that's related. Right. So um, it really depends. Um, also there's certain things that, like health insurance that, depending on how long you've been together, if you have a domestic partnership or not, that you can only cover for if you're legally married. There's a lot of little nuances like that, that you can only get that benefit if you're actually legally married. Mm -hmm. Okay. And also the, from a tax perspective, if you're both yes. big earners, you can save a lot. Yeah. Right, joint you, taxes. Yeah. Um, otherwise you file separately and there's that, you know, and just you have a higher tax burden as a result. Um, who claims who, if you have kids, who claims them as dependents on which tax return because one person is going to have, have a higher tax bill. So it's just the structure of how the institution of marriage is set up in the U.S. Contractual. So just because so many of the questions did involve a discrepancy in income, like what to do if your partner earns way more than you or if you earn way more than your partner, do you have like a sort of, one size fits all suggestion for how they should divide expenses and should their savings or investments be shared or, or kept separate given the salary imbalance? Yeah, it depends on their couple, right? There are couples where um, they might be two different incomes and they choose to completely take the lower income and put it towards debt and saving and investment. The higher income is for living or vice versa. Um, there are some couples where, depending on who earns what, they pay the bills based on the percentage of their income, right? So I pay 60%, you pay 40% because our income levels are different on different things. Um, there are people who are just straight 50-50, doesn't matter what you earn or I earn, which I think can be unfair. 
Um, and there's just situations where one person shoulders the financial obligations because they have another person shouldering the household obligations. So it really depends on the on the couple. I don't have one right way because I might give you a way that does not fit into the way both of you are in your relationship. Gotcha. I, I yeah, I, I agree with her. It definitely <laughs> depends on the relationship. But there's a there's a nuance to that that I, I find interesting. What if one of the individuals in the partnership is putting an enormous amount of money to their personal retirement accounts and saying, Oh, well, I don't have, you know, I don't have that much money to spend, but it's all going to my retirement. I you think mean that's your, your joint retirement. No, <laughs> your, your individual retirement. Yeah. But remember it's a marriage. It's our money. It's you and I's money. Mm. Oh yeah. So what you're saying is it goes you all the in your way. name. I have half. <laughs> <laughs> okay. She's okay. Good. So She's even right. if it is an individual retirement, it really does technically also belong to your partner. Right. Because right. this is money you're contributing during the process, during the marriage, right? Um, so a 401k can only be in your name and you designate, for example, you designate your beneficiaries as your wife, your kids, et cetera. Um, but if we were to get divorced, that account is going to come on the table as part of the assets. Now, let's just say hypothetically that you are significantly older than your spouse <laughs> and you had almost no chance of ever seeing that retirement account. <laughs> Hypothetically. What point are you making? Date your beneficiaries <laughs> now. <laughs> Make it. sure your beneficiaries are up to date. Okay. Uh, okay. And I think this could be the last question. And again, this sort of gets into, it's less about specifics with finances and more the dynamics, but I love how open you are about your relationship. Do you think that there's, is there a way that you think people can deal with being with a partner who has really opposite financial views. It's tricky, I know. It is a challenge. And for the most time, unfortunately, when I see it, it doesn't work out. Um, I've seen people tell me, friends, in fact, tell me while they were dating, oh my God, this guy asked to split everything. And the reason for the divorce was because there's other issues, but oh my God, he was so selfish. He asked to split everything. So I always tell people as you're dating somebody, pay attention to them and yourself. What can you tolerate? Um, people will always show you who they are, maybe not by what they say, but by their actions, right? There are things about me my husband probably can't stand. There are things about him that I'm like, that drives me crazy, but I can live with those things and he can live with those things. They're not deal breakers for us, but there are certain things that I know are deal breakers. So personally, you can, I cannot deal with somebody who, before we've even left the grocery store, that'd be $75 and 65 cents. He owe me. That's it, That could never work for me. Mm-hmm. It just can't ever. <laughs> but some people are good with that. So as you date, as you go on those dates, as you go on those trips, as you move in together, start to pay attention. And if in your mind, you're like, this is a deal breaker, I can't do this, then be honest with yourself. Because when you get to the other side, and you find yourself trying to exit the relationship, you're going to reflect it like, you know, I knew, I mm. knew, I, you know, there's certain things about certain people that they just come with and you have to be able to tolerate or not. Yeah. So do you think people can change in that regard? Do you think that's something that you could, oh, Andy's shaking his head. (laughs) I want to bet on that. Uh, Grown adults, um, there's some things that people are not changing. I mean, people can change in a relationship for various reasons, life circumstances. That's a different conversation. But I mean, if you were splitting 75 cents, you're going to split $100. You're going to split $10,000 
we're always going to split this money. And if we don't split it because I'm trying to pretend like I don't want the split, I'm going to resent you. And it's going to turn into other problems throughout the no. relationship. Religion, politics, money. If you don't have two out of three eye to eye, you're finished. That's yes, I agree. <laughs> you're finished. <laughs> Andy tends to talk in extreme. So I think he feels validated mm. that the money experts like I agree. But it is true. I mean, to yeah. disagree on more than one of those just sounds exhausting. Ooh, no. Okay, so Bola, thank you so, so much for joining us. Can you please tell our listeners about you have a new book? One of your two books is recent, correct? Yeah. How Investing Works and Grow Your Money. Do you want to just tell our listeners about that and why they should yes. give it a read? Well, first of all, thank you for the opportunity to be here and sit with you guys. This has been so amazing. Um, you guys can learn more about me at Clever Girl Finance. As you said, I have a new book on investing. It's called Learn How Investing Works, Grow Your Money. And it basically walks you through how to get started with investing and establish your own portfolios to build long-term wealth for yourself. So this has been such a great conversation and I'm excited um, that I got to chat with you guys. Oh, thank you so much. You're the absolute sweetest. We had a real blast with you. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> the millennial relationships is always interesting. You may get some people say, I don't agree with that, but you know, that's why I'm like every individual figure out what works for you too. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, in the end, money is just a symptom of whether your relationship is solid or not. I yes. Unless unless there's major problems. I think it's a symptom of a good or bad relationship. Oh, if there's money. Yep, it is. Yeah. It is. Yeah. Like I, a- I think if people struggle to communicate, it just makes everything worse. Okay. Right. So, you got things okay, to do. Okay. You've with. got children and, and, and meetings. <laughs> Thank you so much for joining us. We really Thank appreciate you. you. Bye, Bola. Thanks. Bye. Have a good one. Bye-bye. Are you ready to take off your headphones? I'm ready. Prepare yourself. <laughs> Darth Vader. Oh, that felt good. Oh, she is lovely. Lovely. God. Yeah. And so knowledgeable. I love when she didn't fully know the answer to something. She was like, I don't know. It's great. Oh, refreshing. I love that in a person. Very refreshing. Yeah. She just, God, she knew so much. And I also like how she would bring in her own relationship. It makes it a lot more relatable mm-hmm. when mm-hmm. it's like, yeah, we didn't have prenup. We didn't have much money then, blah, blah, blah. It's just like the simplicity of it and the transparency as well. But it's also, it just, it's the money problems are a symptom of probably a not great relationship like the worst money problems that are really extreme there's probably something a little broken in the relationship in my opinion Ooh, i mean you i i think she probably agrees with you mm-hmm. and i don't disagree with you it's just so tough because you know if if you just think about the statistics of it which is she said one and two relationships end with divorce or marriages end with divorce and the second biggest reason is money Mm -hmm. you have to assume that there are a lot of relationships or marriages that are still together where there are money issues and they kind of just make it work you know yeah and does that automatically mean that the relationship is bad or not functioning well i don't know it's it's oh, tough. It's a tough topic for a reason. It's so uncomfortable to talk about. Oh, it is. Yeah, especially in America, where it's such a capitalistic society, and it's always like right in your face, like money, money, earn money, money, money. Totally. You know, so it's it's kind of like a it's it, you feel like your manliness is represented by your money, and when you're in a partnership, or you feel like your money is being sort of sucked away from you in ways that you don't necessarily approve of or share in fully. Mm. Um, it starts to cause problems, but but then it gets to my point where if there are no cracks in a relationship and it's a team, it should be a marriage should be like you are like this is a team. 
Like if somebody strikes out, you pat them on the back and you're like, you know, good, good try. You'll get them next time. Like you really need to think of the team winning and the team winning shouldn't really have an impact on whose money is being spent. That's my opinion. Yeah, no, I, I, does that make sense? No, I took it's yeah. It's it the Queen me, Bee. It took theory. me a while. Yeah, yeah, it took me a while to get there. I kind it took of me a while. To get I went. There, I went on a bit of a journey with you. Oh. <laughs> I met you at the end, and I knew oh. what you meant. Yeah, I went on a journey too. I'm not sure I ended in the right place, but the point is, is that um, number one, be very careful who, who you, you marry because money it is contractual. Your I like money that you is said gone. That. You're, yeah. If you have more money than them, your money is now in a pool, like whether you like it or not. And, and if whether it's not or not in that you sign pool, a prenup. Whether or not you sign a prenup. Yeah. As she said. And whether and if it's not in that pool, then there's a problem because you're always going to be fighting. Like, why are you hoarding your money? Like, why can't you put your money towards this? Like, I'm doing housework. I'm doing this. I'm doing that. And again, if there's one deadbeat in the relationship, all of this is moot. But we're assuming both people are carrying their weight in some form. Uh, yeah. I liked how she talked about, you know, there is no one size fits all. But really what it comes down to is the communication and almost what that represents. Like if you can't even communicate about money and have a conversation without fighting and even come to a consensus on whether you should do joint or separate or whatever or prenup or no, then that's a red flag unto itself. Right. Given, again, we always talk about this. If you're planning on it, these are like the honeymoon-ish stages, more or less, usually, you know, you want to get married. This is like a loving time. This this is when it's going to be the easiest to talk about money, I would think. Sure. Not when you're trying to figure out your kid's tuition or your medical bills to pay or something. I don't know. You All these unexpected hurdles get thrown your way in life. It's going to be harder to talk about it then and especially harder if you don't lay down the foundation and the groundwork. Sure. Yeah. I mean, in the perfect world, a marriage financially should be like a waterfall like it just who, who it fills the gaps like if you're you have more money you put in more money if you have less money you put in more work in other forms you know yeah. and there's always this balance and you never talk about it. it's a given yeah it's like who's paying for this i'm paying for this because i have more money and you helped with all this other stuff yeah so. oh yeah and I, you've always been really good about that about recognizing the value and like you said in the value in i love how she took a quiz for it the things that I do that I don't get paid for mm -hmm. that are, you know, and what that amounts to in terms of a salary. I think a lot of people don't necessarily think of it in those terms enough, especially using her example, the sort of, if you, there are probably men who are the breadwinners and who then feel like they rule the household and they have control over the money take, and they're not taking care, into account. Take care costs 40 grand a year. You know, yeah, you learned this recently from a yeah. friend of yours, and you were I, like, I was just like, no, no kids, no, no, I'm just kidding. But it's 40 grand a year just for daycare, just for That's a baby. I'm sure this is like a New York City price, but yes, it's okay. But he said, What's crazy it wasn't even is that, that I didn't even spot. bat when you said that, when you told me that, I was like, Yeah, like it's no, yeah. this city is just so expensive. I, I know, I, but I, that said, I'm sure daycare is a considerable expense, no matter where you are, proportionate to. Proportion. The, the, the expenses that you pay to live in whatever city. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. I also feel like there's potentially like a cultural thing too, because, well, like she said, she's like, where I'm from, we just don't do prenups. And, you know, if I go to the South, I'm just amazed by how men shoulder this financial responsibility, whether or not they make the kind of money 
proportionate to be doing that. Right, it's right, just right. sort of that's the way it is, and no one bats an eye, and it's almost like their masculinity is entangled with that. And it's it's so weird to me because of where I'm from, but then you go there and it's totally normal to everyone. So it's just I feel like it's like Well, it's they're they're backwards. Not I mean <laughs> In many ways. Sorry, I didn't mean Our that. Our southern listeners are going to love that. No, no I, I meant they're a little back in time in traditional values. In the 50s, the man went to work all day. The woman stayed at home, was a homemaker, and that was the way it was. And mm-hmm. things have changed a lot. And there are a lot of people who were raised like it's still that way. And that's going to take many generations, I think, to completely shed. It's funny because it, at the same time... I would hate it if a guy split the check on the first date or really on any date. I would rather just sort of take turns or if he wanted, you know, right down the middle of what we paid for groceries. It's just it makes my skin crawl. But like she said, some people are totally fine with that. And Mm -hmm. so there I think there is a cultural aspect. Definitely. Based on how you're raised and what is normal for you. Definitely. Can we wrap this one on money? I think we can. Yeah. Should Should I play the the money riff from Pink Floyd? Okay, you want to go get your guitar and do it? Yeah, why not? Are you going to be able to h- handle the pressure? I don't know. There's, there's a lot of pressure. <laughs> Yay! Oh, that was Very good. I'm not proud. It's terrible. I can't ever play on demand. No, you can't. I'm a wreck. I'm a terrible performer. All right. Thank you guys for tuning into this episode of Dear Shandy. This was one of our hot topics. Very hot. Very hot. Too hot to touch. Hotly requested by you. Money has been quite the the, uh, lightning rod. Uh, Hopefully, Mm -hmm. we answered some of your questions. We got Bola to answer some of your questions today. Uh, Let us know. Do you have any more questions? We could do a follow-up. And, yeah. What can people do if they love Dear Shandy, Andy? They can tell their friends. They can tell their friends. They can leave an iTunes review. Mm -hmm. They can like us on YouTube. Yes, they can also subscribe on YouTube. And they can leave comments on YouTube. They can. They can also follow us on Instagram. Very good. I think we got it all. Yeah, team effort. Nice. Just like finances should be. <laughs> good tie-in. Thank you. Thank you guys for tuning in to this episode of Dear Shandy, and we'll see you next time. Bye. Dear Shandy.